So in order to be excellent and to have that competitive advantage, you have to have AI. It's the minimum operating capability. The world beyond. Emotion is of tomorrow. Brought to you by Michelle Mack. Hello, I'm Michael Mark. Welcome back to my podcast, The World Beyond the Emotioneers of Tomorrow. Today, my very exciting guest is Christy Collins. Uh, Hello, Christy. Hello. Thank you for having me with you today. Thank you for joining. I'm sitting here in a lovely decorated Europa Pie, and we are shortly before Christmas, so I'm very happy to have you um, as a guest in my podcast. Christine actually is a CEO of FactFinder, the leading e-commerce business in the area of product discovery, as well as an overall AI shopping and marketing expert. I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's uh, Christmas time in Munich as well. The Christmas markets have started, and so the celebration is beginning. And you're, for sure, the best Bavarian um, English-speaking guest I'm having. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start with a quick-fire round of four questions to get you know a little bit more. I'm ready. One. What do you like to do in your spare time? I do a lot of fitness training, I do a lot of reading, and I love going to the mountains in the winter. What is the best advice you've ever been given? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, Yeah, I would say the best advice that I've ever been given was from my father. And any time I would reach a stressful time in my life, he would always say, pause, take a breath, make a plan, and execute on it. That served me well across my life. Three. What do you personally like the most about online shopping? Uh, the amount of options available to you, which I also hate the most as well. Four. What does a perfect day look like for you? Oh, a perfect day when I wake up and I have my coffee ready, the sun is shining, my dogs welcome me with their happy faces and wagging tails, going for a walk in the morning. Uh, If it's a really happy day, then I'm by the ocean, listening to the sound of the waves, reading a book, doing a little bit of training, and uh, talking to great people like you. Thank you. Now, you're living in Munich. What would be the closest ocean? I mean, Munich is not well known for having an ocean right nearby, no? No, no. I I would say the closest oceans are probably in Italy. In Italy. To begin the talk, I always like to challenge uh, my guest with a provocative statement question. Will you allow me to provoke you a bit? Of course. Wonderful. Here's my provocative question. Your business specializes in presenting the very latest trends at the top of our internet search. However, would it not be more beneficial for the potential customers in the long term if your tool instead considered the quality and longevity of the products you display and instead showcase the items that have recently had the most positive reviews? Yes, I mean, we have the option for our retailers to present items in that way as well. Um, You know, we really are working with the retailers and what their requirements are. So what we can do here is if a retailer has a special relationship with a very specific brand, then they may need to push those relevant products to the top. 
um, rather than the ones that have the best rating. However, you can also filter to only show products that have the best ratings as well. It really depends on the needs of the retailer and also for the customer. Sometimes the customer isn't necessarily looking for the best rating, but is looking for something very specific to their needs or the needs of the individual they're buying for. And these are all options with our product. Now, I'm actually really thrilled to have tonight at my podcast and um, a Bavarian, but I, I don't think you are Bavarian, but at least a Munich living, American-sounding uh, young uh, lady who um, created a product and was leading up a product called Fact Finder. I assume that not so many people do know you and do know the product. Can you uh, give us a little bit an insight of who you are, what, what brought you to Munich, uh, how long are you living in, in Germany, and how did you happen to be with Fact Finder? Yes, so I moved to Munich in May of 2012, so I've been here now for quite a long time. It's really home for me now. And the reason I landed in Munich is because I joined this wonderful company in 2012 called Hybris. And Hybris was my first step into the e-commerce world uh, as a job. And it was a really wonderful experience. The company was subsequently acquired by SAP. I spent a lot of time at SAP working and really um, digging in and understanding what it means to work at an enormous organization um, with a lot of different types of people, a lot of knowledge, lots of skill sets, lots of learning that took place there. And when I decided to leave SAP, I decided I wanted to go somewhere a little bit smaller um, than the big ship. And I decided to join a smaller company um, where I could have more influence, move a little bit more in an agile fashion, and really make impact. And FactFinder approached me about joining the team. I met the team members, I met the investors, and I was really intrigued by the potential and the offering. And so I've been at FactFinder now since 2021 in uh, two different roles. I joined as the chief operating officer and I'm now the CEO as of the beginning of this year. And so it's been a really exciting journey, a lot of help along the way, a lot of learning along the way, but a team that really brings impact. I mean, by listening to you, I think it's very fascinating having companies like those in Germany. And I once remember having an American guest, I think it was 15 years ago, when we opened our Traumatica or Horror Nights. And he was telling me he was from New York. And he said, like, you can earn a lot of money by doing advertising and AI on the Internet. And I was looking to him like a big, I literally was saying German, like a big car with big eyes. Because the Germans are more like into machinery, into um, craft. Um, so how can you explain to people what you're actually doing? I mean, obviously you do something with shopping, I get that, and you tell the people what they should shop, and um, how is the market around you, and what makes FactFinder so special? Because it's quite a, a stunning having like a company like this in Germany where you think of BMW or like, like, like the machine-building uh, company. So why Munich, and how good is FactFinder in the market, and what exactly is the product doing? Yes, well, FactFinder has been around for more than 20 years, so um, that's one of the really exciting things about the company is that they were really kind of like your person you had 15 years ago working with artificial intelligence before it became such a buzz um, across the globe. And in the space where we operate now, um, of course, you know, you have Berlin, you have Munich, there are a lot of software startups now, so software is really huge, and of course, in the automation 
automotive industry, software is huge as well. All of the cars have it now. And where we operate, AI is now so prevalent that it's become table stakes. So in order to be excellent and to have that competitive advantage, you have to have AI. It's the minimum operating capability. And so now the differentiation really comes in where you put that human control with the AI models. Um, We want to always be able to allow the human to have some type of control over AI. And this combination of human control along with the AI model is what we call authentic intelligence. And so you enjoy the benefits of AI, the automation, the optimization, the personalization that you need as a shopper at scale, but you have the ability to tweak and apply a team's skill, their experience, their creativity, and that's what allows the retailers to achieve that competitive advantage. Um, Most AI models in the industry are a black box. You can't really see into it. You don't really know what it's doing. You're just supposed to trust it somehow. So this is the reason we've built in that ability to apply human control, and it's been a real game changer for our customers who want to apply AI in varying degrees. Different businesses, different cultures, they adopt AI at different rates, and our technology allows them to apply that AI in a way that is comfortable for them and for their teams. So that's what I would say that helps make us so successful in this environment. So I'm very lousy, as you can assume, being a, a man going shopping. I, I, it goes as far that I know Zalando, which is quite well known in, in Germany. It's an online retailer. So just give me practical examples. I, I type in, I want to get blue shoes, and uh, your AI gives me white shoes because they know that it might look better on me. Or What exactly is the software doing? No, so um, what I would say is that we try to understand what your intent is at the very first click. So if you start to type in blue shoes, we're going to try to recognize that you're looking for blue shoes before you finish filling out the word shoes. And then we're going to present you with blue shoes. And maybe you've been known to us before and you always buy shoes that are Adidas. Um, Then we're going to start presenting you with that brand of shoe. And then as you move through your buying process, you may say, hey, I want to now look at shirts. Well, we know from your history that you were just looking at blue shoes. Maybe you want a shirt that matches those blue shoes. So maybe we present you with a white shirt that has a blue emblem on it or a blue shirt that matches the blue shoes. We're just trying to recognize the intent that you have for your purchase by how close products are to each other. And how do you know it's me? Do I have to register that you um, recognize me? Or is it just by the way I'm clicking? (laughs) You really already see that I'm a man (laughs) clicking faster than a woman or looking um, short at items. Really, it's it's mostly about you, you can register, and that helps us a lot because then we have your buying history, and so we know more about you. But really, even for someone who has never purchased on our site before, we're going to try to recognize your intent from the very first moment. And we can do this by seeing how close products are to each other in context. Interesting. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't realize that I'm using your software, do I? No, you would not realize you're using our software. Okay. And um, so, like, looking back, you said, like, over 20 years, so you were founded as a typical startup, I assume. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about the company as such? Did you uh, grow steadily and slowly? Um, Are you still based fully in in Bavaria? 
Do you branch out to other countries? Um, where does the company stand right now? Sure. The company was originally formed in Fort Time, in the Fort Time area. And uh, the founder of the company grew and owned the company for uh, around 20 years. And um, he sold the company to an investment firm called Genwi. And this uh, private equity firm has been on a growth journey with the company. And um, in 2021, at the end of 2021, we purchased a company in Stockholm, Sweden called Loop 54. And Loop 54 really expanded our AI offering and uh, our product discovery offering in that they also solved the problem of making sure you can find the product that you want and that you intend to buy um, from the first moment. And so the combination of these two products together has made us very strong in the market. And um, yes, so we are primarily based in Germany, now in the Nordics, and we also uh, have people and customers in the UK as well. Interesting. This year you launched a new tool called Pulse. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what exactly is it doing and what kind of product is it? Yeah, we're really excited about this feature. It's um, an AI-powered feature that allows retailers to identify react to and capitalize on microtrends as they happen in real time. So this uses a combination of popularity, momentum, and newness data. So Pulse can understand what's trending and it can automatically rank hot products into the top search positions. So you think about how quickly trends can change and it's nearly impossible for merchandisers to keep up with all of the different trends. You can use an example of an influencer makes a specific item popular overnight, and it's difficult always to predict that that's going to happen, but you want to make sure you're promoting that item when it does. And Pulse makes it easier to do that. Before, you would have to recognize it as a human, you would have to then take action, and you would have to wait for the momentum to pick up. But now you can see the momentum, you can see the trend, and the tool automatically adjusts to that. If you look at the market, which I obviously don't know as well as you do, why don't would you rank European companies and, and especially um, your company? Are you belonging to the top notch or, um, in technology or is there a, a very competitive market, especially with Chinese and Americans? It's a very competitive market. Uh, Most of our direct competitors are competitors in the U.S. and in Europe. Um, we don't often see uh, competitors from Asia where we are right now. The great news about our product is that we were recently interviewed by some of the analysts and really promoted very highly within the analyst reports. And this is something that's really exciting to us because this means we're in the top 10 of all of the providers in product discovery worldwide. And so this really gives us some additional momentum, especially into different markets and into different regions that we have not had before in the past. And it's something that we've been really excited about this year as we really, you know, propel forward with this AI momentum that we've had for 20 years that has really now has the market buzzing and talking continuously. So me as a newbie, um, not knowing your software, using AI and um, authentic intelligence, or how you call it, I'm a little bit, being German, scared that 
I just want to buy blue shoes and get a shirt with a blue color in it. And um, do I still have the freedom to not get only recommended stuff? And do I still see other items? Or am I just living in a bubble and AI is telling me uh, in the future what I got to wear and what I have to buy online? No, and this is why we call it authentic intelligence, is because you as a human need to be able to ultimately decide what you want. And you can choose your intent even in the same session. Say you bought a blue shirt for yourself, but you want to buy a red shirt for one of your children and a purple shirt for your wife. You'll be able to change that intent even within the same session and drive that forward based on your own needs as a human. Um, The AI is not going to do all of the work for you. I did hear a story earlier today about how um, one of my colleagues got caught in a continuous loop on a commerce site over the weekend, and she gave up and went to another site because she couldn't stand being caught in the continuous loop where she was just presented children-sized t-shirts when she wanted a grown-up-sized t-shirt. So it does happen, but that's definitely not with our software. Excellent. So we should all use FactFinder. Um, Who is actually using your software? I mean, would be a theme park um, the right one to take your software? I mean, I, I, I thought it would be funny if Disney would using it, and whenever you want to buy a Disney ticket, they refer to Europa Park as being the better park, but um, that's just me being <laughs> silly. But um, what do you think? Like, who would be your normal customers, and who should call you tomorrow? And I'm um, trying to get in touch with you. Yeah, we have uh, B2B customers, we have B2C customers, we have B2B2C customers, so what does this mean? Um, we have really great customers in Elk Shop, we have a great customer in My Teresa. we have uh, one of my favorite customers, this Flash and Post, and the reason this customer is one of my favorites is because uh, they make my life easier, they make my life more efficient, they're sustainable in terms of how they deliver groceries to my home. And so I can buy products from them, including local and organic products, and feel good about what I do as well. But these are just some uh, examples of different types of customers we have, from fashion to grocery to manufacturing, just really all over the broadband. Are there any markets you would like to expand? Are you like, are you saying like this would be we're not as present yet in France, or we're not as present yet, or are you covering Europe quite? well already with your product? We cover Europe quite well. Where I would really like to see us expand is, of course, into the U.S., uh, back into uh, my birth home base, let's call it that, now that Munich is my home. Um, I would really like to see some expansion into the U.S., and so now that we have such momentum from the analyst reports, we are dipping our toes onto the East Coast and really exploring what it could look like to expand more fully in the U.S. Uh, Well, I keep my... uh fingers crossed that you're going to grow heavily and steadily. What are your future uh, development cycles? What is down on the roadmap for your technology? I mean, obviously, we talked about Pulse technology. I mean, what's the future of a great online shopping experience? And um, do you still go shopping offline yourself? Um, My idea of a great online shopping experience is that I find what I need fast. So if I go to a site and it gives me too many search results, then I'm immediately frustrated. If I go to a site and it gives me zero uh, results, then I'm immediately frustrated. People just don't have the patience and the time to really deal with this anymore. So they expect their online shopping to be 
efficient, they expect it to be fast, they expect to be able to find what they're looking for right away. Take, for example, even something simple like I might search for the word screen, but maybe I mean computer monitor, or maybe I mean TV screen, or maybe I mean iPhone screen protector. All those things are technically relevant to what I've been searching for, but which one did I actually want to buy? So I want, when I'm online shopping, I want you to just understand me because I don't have the patience and the time to really work through it. For me, I do buy quite a lot online, but I still leave room for impulse buys or when I want something um, for a special occasion or maybe something like jewelry, I uh, mostly buy in store. If I'm not sure about size, I will also buy in store to eliminate the act of the return process because that ends up being costly to the environment. So these are the things that I try to do um, when I'm deciding, am I going to buy this online or am I going to buy this in store? It's, it's always a choice for me. So if you, without um, telling us our competitor, what for you, if you like browse the web, which company do you think um, is doing the best job in that, being efficient in shopping and online shopping? Well, um, I like to buy my shoes from Stuart Weitzman. Um, I think they have a great online shop. They present me with exactly what I've been looking for. They somehow are able to see that based on certain filters they have. That is one of the online shops that I use frequently. They're not using our software, but I still feel like they do a really good job of presenting me with exactly what I've wanted to buy based on my buying history with them. Some of the sites I do get frustrated a little bit with are athletic wear. Um, often I can get lost in, let's say, mindless scrolling late at night and then give up because uh, I'm not able to get to what I needed very quickly. And some of these athletic wear or athletic shoes, they should know me by now. And so that I find quite frustrating. So I really try to go back regularly to places that that know me, I can count on the size. Um, I don't need to try it on and the fact that the return will, will not happen. But it's all really about the filtering. It's about whether they can understand who I am, whether they understand the intent quickly. And if I have to scroll beyond one page, forget about it. It's not going to happen. What are your opinions on the danger of fast fashion and increasing consumption of unsustainable goods? which both are potentially increasing through Pulse technology, or what is your take on that? Yes, often those who can't afford to buy in a more sustainable way will certainly fall subject to the purchase of unsustainable goods. Buying clothes with a better quality, generally speaking, it still means a greater expense, not always, but generally speaking. For me personally, I work to buy clothes that um, have a quality to them that will last and not lose its style, also donating and recycling clothing and shoes, never throwing away anything. But there are places in the world, especially outside of Germany, who don't have the ease we have of recycling clothes or buying sustainably because the options just don't exist where they live. If you are also a very busy person or just say you're a single parent working two jobs, you don't have time to do the research on what is sustainable fashion and what is not. So for sure, anyone who has to prioritize the daily demands of life, doing this research takes time. It doesn't mean that you don't care. It just means that you're having to deprioritize this research in order to take care of your livelihood or of your children. And so those of us who are fortunate enough to pay attention to these things, I believe are responsible 
for putting pressure on all brands to change their practices. Sustainability has to be a true value of the retailer. As the demand for affordable, sustainable products increase, it's going to be necessary for brands to put more of an emphasis here. SustainYourStyle.org is a resource that I found that provides you information you need to have in order to make sustainable fashion choices, and there are some affordable options presented there as well. Tools like Pulse can also draw trends related to sustainable wear if your favorite influencer has a focus on sustainability and their recent purchases or wear starts to trend, then this act should also result in education and focus on such matters. I'm just coming back from the U.S. and seeing the conservativity about Europeans and uh, whether it's be data right protection, whether it's be sustainability. When I'm traveling the U.S., I think they're not really taking care as much as we do in Europe. I mean, you being American, uh, how do you see the difference between um, American software-driven companies and um, German-driven companies of your field of expertise? Yes, I believe it depends on where you are. There are certain software companies and certain parts of the U.S. that really have a huge focus around sustainability and sustainable acts. I think of uh, states like California, for instance, where this is this is really a huge thing. But then you have um, other states within the U.S. that may not have as much of a focus on it. And this is also related to education. This could be related to poverty. It could be related to having the infrastructure available to make such things possible. So you wouldn't say it's one or the other. It's just like a matter of fact where you are in the world, right? Yes, exactly. And I think we could talk for hours and hours, but I think we gave a good first insight of you and your company. We conclude the first part of our exciting talk. Be sure to tune in to the second part as well, where Christy Collins, thank you so much. Michelle Mark presents The World Beyond. Emotion is of tomorrow. A Mac One production.